Good Thursday morning, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast. Glad to have you along with us on this Thursday with Rob Lewis and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubbs. Uh, be sure and check out our friends at Blue Water Climate Control. You can check them out online on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate or check them out at BlueWaterClimateControl.com for all your HVAC needs. Plenty to get to in this mailbag podcast. Jumping out of the gate here. And uh, Austin, I'll start with you. Deshaun, 13. Do you see anyone starting at quarterback other than number two at this point? And why was Kenny Solomon moved to the wide receiver position? Well, I think they're just trying to find athleticism, uh, you know, across the board. And I feel like the, they, they weren't playing him any at corner. I think he's just trying to find a niche. Obviously, he does help on special teams, but I don't see him factoring at wide receiver um, over any of the guys that are already there. Um, and then uh, number two, as long as he plays solid against – I mean, he'll to me, in, in my opinion, he starts at Arkansas. If he plays solid, he'll be the starter against A&M, and it'll be a week-by-week basis. If he goes and lays another Kentucky, obviously, then that could change things. But as of right now, yeah, I think he'll be the starter against Arkansas. Rob, it does feel like it's kind of a week-to-week deal in terms of what that depth chart looks like and, and kind of where they are with the quarterback deal as they try to get some kind of consistency at that position, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you go from the guy that, you know, doesn't play one week and is your fourth-team scout team quarterback to where Brian Maurer is the the only guy off the bench at that position against Alabama. I mean, it tells you that not only is it muddled, there's probably not a lot of separation in the eyes of the coaches in, in the three behind number two. All right, let's go to volunteer to 87. Rob, we'll start with you on this one. Um, over under our leading score in basketball averages 16 and a half points. More surprised football-wise by Auburn or LSU. Any juniors you could see declaring for the draft, even if they're not likely to be drafted. Start with the hoops question. Anybody going to average I, more than 16 and a half? Yes, I, I would guess under. I mean, Fulke was just about there last year in, in SEC play. Uh, but I just I just think they got so many more weapons this year with, with Keon and Jaden and and Viscovi, and you know, I think Eves will, Eves will be better. I mean, Eves was a double-digit scorer last year. I mean, I, I mean, I think you could see John Fulkerson be a much better player and and have and not have the same kind of numbers. And you believe from the get-go Auburn was going to struggle. You're not stunned by Auburn. No, and that's a correct. I mean, that just goes back to writing those previews back in the summer, and, and just when they lost what they did on the offensive line and and, and the defensive line, and Bo Nix. I mean, if they were not if they were not going to struggle, in my mind, Bo Nix had to really take a big jump forward as a sophomore, and you know that obviously has not happened. It was never going to happen. So Austin, overrated. so overrated. Austin on the underclassmen, Cade, Cade, Bryce. To me, those are the top two. Uh, you know, I think there's you know, Bryce could look at it. How much does he love school? Cade could look at it. I think if I was if you were saying gun to head what are they doing i would bet on both of them coming back um but i think that, that both of them could definitely entertain it and then i also wonder a guy like Darrell middleton another kid that don't necessarily love school you know does, does somebody you know get in his head and then you know and i know you know we got five games left though i know he's not played very good and he missed the first part of the year but we'll see where things go the last five games what what, what do they get out of players like that yeah. All right. Next question here. Uh, what's your opinion on each individual coach as a recruiter, teacher, developer? Um, also, with what all has transpired the last three weeks, is it harder to build a program now than we originally thought, considering how bad the talent was when Pruitt took over versus when Butch took over? Butch signed 61 players in two years, even though most did not pan out. 
meaning you could oversign back then. And lastly, is it alarming that Pruitt hasn't signed a big time edge rusher, defensive lineman, or defensive back since he's been here? Let's start with the last one. I, I think it is a surprise. I think we've talked about as many times that they've not signed that big name defensive or highly rated defensive back. Well, defensive back, yeah. I mean, it, well, I guess it really depends on too, like what you, I mean, you know, if you're looking at the overall scope of everything, I mean, you know, the other guys do have, you know, um, you know, the kid from Tampa, you know, Demarius McGee rated as a top hundred player. So, I mean, like, it, you know, not to say that, you know, 24 seven or rivals is some end all be all on, on rankings. Cause they're not, you know, I mean, they're both of them have their flaws um, and both of them have their positives. So, um, you know, we'll see about where Demarius McGee is. We'll see what Tennessee ends up being with Nylon Green. I think the Vols have made a real strong move there. Um, you know, both of those would be considered potentially, you know, big-time guys. It, it's easy to see why the coaches were crushed when the Vols lost B.J. Ojolari. He's a freshman leading the league in sacks through the first five weeks. Well, and I would also say on the edge, edge guys, though, if you look at the last two classes, I mean, Tyler Barron – could have gone just about anywhere in the country. I mean, Ohio had a firm Ohio State offer. Dylan Brooks, who is currently committed. I mean, Alabama, Auburn, everybody wanted him. And uh, Morvin Joseph is a, is a guy that had tons of options. So the edge, I think, in the you know the freshman class and the 2021 class, I, I think they've got some dudes. I, I agree. I don't – you know, I think the biggest thing here is, is, you know, Tennessee is so reliant on, um, you know, the, the – the, the true sophomore class, and then a little bit the freshman class. And, and they're not getting a whole lot out of their older guys that like, it's hard to take a huge step. It, this could be a program and, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I, I, I'm saying because of the way you're relying on the young kids, you could be four and six this year. And then those sophomores are now juniors. Those freshmen are now sophomores and boom. And it hits. You just never know. You see that across college football all the time when programs are building. Sometimes it just takes that perfect mix, perfect year, and a different quarterback. Yeah, and I think that's the I just, thing. Go ahead. Go ahead, I just want to ask you what you think about this, that I, I, I personally underestimated the impact that, you know, those quote-unquote Butch's orphans that were upperclassmen made last year compared to, to what we're seeing this year in Jawan and Marquez and – I don't know that there's, you know, Matthew Butler's doing some nice things. I guess you could throw Trey Smith as an upperclassman in there, but it's different, you know, when you're an offensive lineman, how much of an impact can you have? They're not getting the production. Nigel Warrior, first team All-SEC player, from, you know, from the senior, from the upperclassman that they are. Like AP said, I think they're, they're so reliant on those sophomores. And I, I personally underestimated, I think, what those seniors – meant to last year's team yeah i think that's a really good point um you know because look everybody was talking about you know because i'd mentioned his name they're talking about deandre johnson in week one but that's that's leveled off as, as you expected it to be i mean they missed nigel warrior a great deal we knew they were going to miss the receivers you know but they missed batuli they missed nigel warrior for sure as for his question about it, harder to rebuild the thing that butch butch found a quarterback now, he found him three days before signing day in, in Alpharetta, Georgia, but that's that's the difference. Austin, how many games did Josh Dobbs' legs – I mean, Josh Dobbs was a huge reason and, and, and a large part of why that team started 5-0 and in year three and were ranked in the top ten. I oh, mean, that, that's the absolutely. difference between a, – a large part of what's the difference between the two. 
Well, just his ability to make plays. I mean, like he, he erased so many bad plays and, 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 and was just such a creative playmaker. Um, you know, but you're absolutely right. I mean, like, you know, having that guy and then having somebody that can get to the quarterback off the edge on defense with a guy like, you know, um, Derek Barnett, Derek Barnett, you know, that, that, those, those are two big positions, you know, to, uh, that are takeaways from, you know, Butch's class. Yeah. No I mean, about this, had, had he not quit on the team and, you know, done what he did, Butch would have, would have signed and rec- recruited and signed the leading sack guy in Tennessee history and the leading rusher in Tennessee history and one of the best quarterbacks. Yeah. And, and, and remember what, what Dobbs was what second to Peyton and what, Overall total yards, yeah, something like that. I mean, his all-purpose yards were yeah, were, yeah, were totally crazy. All right, let's let's quickly talk about the staff as recruiters, teachers, developers. Okay, best recruiters on the staff, uh, best combination in your opinion of recruiter, teacher, developer. Let's just, let's do it that way. Well, oh, a combination of the three. Um, I would go Derek Ansley. I would go Jay Graham. Um, I, I think, you know, Niedermeyer is obviously a dynamite recruiter. Um, as far as I'm not sure he's necessarily a teacher at this point. I think he's, you know, still finding his footing as a guy that can teach and develop. Um, you know, I and, think – go ahead. And Jacob Warren made it clear today that his coach is still learning on the job too <laughs> with what he said about Joe Osvet, which was kind of interesting today. Um, but – Joe Osavet has done some good things in recruiting in terms of getting Tennessee's foot in the door. As oh, yeah. he, you know, he's been on, you know, he hasn't even had a chance to go out on the road yet. Think about that. I mean, he's a full-time assistant who's not had a chance to go out and recruit anybody really at this point in time, other than some stops in, in January. I think you would say that he's more um, his strength right now would be more recruiting than it would be teacher developer as he's learning. Well, at his uh, position, as, most definitely. Yeah. Learning, learning in his position at, at this point in time. Um, so that, of course they don't have a defensive line coach. So that that's kind of a look at, at that question. There a good set of questions from him. All right. Uh, Vols since 1996, what's it going to take to get a great pass rush? Um, would you agree that it, the pass rush is MIA most of the time? Yes. Would you go youth movement and let Tyler Barron and Morvin Joseph play more snaps? I say yes. I, I mean, I would play Morvin Joseph some more as a pass rush guy and see what happens there. And they, they are playing Tyler Barron. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think Tyler played 31 snaps against um, Alabama and Roman Harrison saw his snap, snap count go way up too. I don't think both, both of them played more than DeAndre. Don't you feel like Austin right now, Tyler Barron's more of a run stopper than a pass rusher? Yes. That's where he's at? Yep, that's how they're using him too. Yeah. Um, Ball Rocker, how would you describe the overall culture in the football program? What kind of leader is uh, Jeremy Pruitt? Is everyone engaged? I, th- I think the culture's fine. I mean, is that I don't see Rocker's burner account. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. Ball Rocker's been around for a while. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't think there's a bad culture situation at Tennessee at this point in time. Um, and in terms of Jeremy Pruitt as a, as a leader, I mean, he hates to lose, probably gets emotional when he loses, you know, um, not used to losing. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I don't think people are checked out at this point in time. I don't think players have checked out of this program. Do you, do you guys feel that way? No, I don't think they've checked out. Um, I do think that this, that this particular team – 
needs to find its leadership. I, I, I don't think that they have any – and I know everybody's going to go, well, Trey, Trey. Okay, well, where is it at? You know, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't see anybody, um, you know, holding others accountable – you know, and, and being out there on the front lines as, as someone who, you know, is a real bulldog in practice and or on game day. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I that's I, the one part of this team that I think has suffered due to COVID and being out for months upon months. You know, that's, you know, you start building that in spring and all of a sudden you don't show back up till the summer and then you can't do anything except for like these workouts for the longest time. And even then, like how many of those kids went to workouts going, all right, let's go run. We ain't going to have a season. I mean, like, I, I, I think that all that had a huge impact. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt that, that that certainly had an impact. And I will say this about the engagement, Rob. I don't think Tennessee was very engaged in the second half against Kentucky. Oh, yeah. I, I, mean, I think that, they're, you know, you can't sit there and defend that team saying that they, they laid it all on the line in the second half against Kentucky because they got steamrolled by a team that's not very good offensively, for sure. I, mean, I, I thought that was the most impressive thing about 2019 was, I, I mean, I thought, I thought it was just going to be like rats jumping off a sinking ship at the end of September. Like, you know, they're one, they come home, they lose to Georgia, they're one and four. Um, you know, obviously, two embarrassing losses to start the season, non-competitive loss at Florida. I mean, we're, we're, I, I personally, I mean, I'm not the only one who was wondering if Jeremy was going to make it through year two, you know, or to the end of year two. And, and he got that team to buy in and what I think, were more dire circumstances than what they're looking at here, two and three. With really, they've got one bad loss, and yeah, it was it was really bad. But you know, I, I don't think I don't think things are as bad as they or they don't feel as bad as they did, felt last year after that Florida game, and then you know coming home to face Georgia. We'll see how it ha- how that feeling is uh, this time of late or two weeks from now, a week and a half from now after Tennessee's played in Fayetteville. Did they bounce back? Did they get it together through this open date? Or is this a different conversation that, that we're having at that point? All right, Music City Vols. Uh, with the one-time transfer rule seemingly going to be in place soon, how do you think that will affect quarterback recruiting going forward? Seems like there could be a couple of ways high school quarterbacks could look at it. Some recruits may be more willing to take a chance on going to a Clemson or an Alabama that has multiple uh, quarterbacks in front of them. Uh, knowing it doesn't work out early, they can uh, you know transfer and go wherever they want to go. Um, on the other hand, a school that is really needing a quarterback for its program to take the necessary step and no real quarterback depth, some quarterbacks will be willing to take a chance on an up-and-coming program, know that if they get there and figure out it's not as good of a fit as they thought, they can bounce whenever they want. Our coach is going to have to take multiple quarterbacks each cycle because of the uncertainty with this new transfer rule coming. I, I don't think you take more quarterbacks, Rob, because I think you can have more quarterbacks in a transfer market. Yeah. I, I, more I, agree. Pick from. I agree with everything he said except for the fact that you're going to have to take more quarterbacks in a given class. I totally agree that, you know, kids will be more willing to roll the dice to be part of a two or even three quarterback class at, you know, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, knowing that if they don't win, you know, they're, they're, they're probably going to have a red shirt in there somewhere. They're going to be able to transfer without penalty. And I agree with what he said about, you know, taking a flyer, you know, maybe Ty Simpson, you know, looks at Tennessee and, and, and jumps in to see if he can, you know, make it work at, at at his home state school, and if not, knowing he's got the option to roll on out and, and go to Clemson or go to Alabama and compete for the job there. I, I totally agree with that, except for, as I said, the, the need to sign multiple quarterbacks in every class because, yeah, you're going to be able to go to the transfer portal and shop for your next guy. I am 
one of the few people that do not like this rule. I just think that it's it, this generation of kids already wants to take their ball and go home so easily compared to a guy that was here in 92. And so like now this is just going <laughs> to enable them and really make it to me, make it worse. I mean, like, uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be, you know, it, it, how your team looks year to year, it looks so different. And, and honestly, to me, it's going to make it harder for teams that are trying to climb out to climb out. Because if you, if you have any kind of down spell, then, you know, you could lose several players. AP, I agree. I don't like it for college football. I like it for college football players. As somebody who's got a kid that's a freshman in college right now, who is an engineering student instead of a wide receiver, he can tra- if he doesn't like it this year, I mean, he can transfer and go wherever he wants. And I mean, I think that any 18 year old kid should be able to do that without penalty. And the fact that he plays, you know, just happens to play football shouldn't, you know, hamper him in that. Well, and but some would say he could transfer. That football player could transfer without without penalty academically and go wherever he wants to go, you know. But but football wise, you know, obviously as it stands now, it has to set out. My two things about the transfer rule, um, and, and I'm with both you guys. I don't love it for the game. I think that's where we are, and there's not anything anybody can can do about it. Here's my question: How many kids are going to get into the transfer world and not find a home? Okay, because they can't find the play, or they have to transfer down, which they didn't, you know, didn't want to do. How, how bad is that going to look? Does that eventually cycle around and slow down some of the transfer stuff? I don't know. Secondly, I don't think fans view the transfer one-time transfer deal other than as a positive for them. Like they can go out and shop for the free agent that they want. They don't take into account how many players they might lose, lose from yep. a fans from a fans perspective. I mean, it's like, I hey, mean, we'll go we'll go get this quarterback or we'll go get this defensive end. Well, maybe you lose three wide receivers off your team because you didn't throw it well enough. I, no? I, I look at it this way. Uh, let's just play devil's advocate. Let's say Tennessee continues to struggle this year. What's to stop? any of those top-end kids that are still on this roster, Tennessee's going to have a lot of guys that other schools would still have interest in. You know, Jalen Hyatt still, you know, he keeps making plays the rest of the year, but Tennessee doesn't pull off a bunch of wins. Who's to say Jalen Hyatt all of a sudden don't get, you know, poached to go play at Clemson all of a sudden. Now, you know, he can go back closer to home. I, You know, I, I just think that, like, when you're trying to claw yourself out that, like, even when you have good players, it, it could really be a daunting task with this this whole transfer with no penalty thing. Oh, I think it definitely makes it harder to rebuild. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I, I think the challenges are there. All right, let's move on to Vols 10-24 from a pure athleticism standpoint. How do the current defensive back commitments compare to the current team of defensive backs? His implication and thought is that Tennessee's not very athletic or not as athletic as they needed to be in the back end of the defense. You like this, you like this DB class AP. You'd really like it if they added Nyla green, right? Yeah. I mean, if you had, if it, let, let's work off the assumption that they're going to add Nyla green. If they had green and McGee too, what's that? Big assumption. It's a large yeah. assumption, but let's, let's, let's go ahead and play let's that work game. off that assumption. You, you have two long, tall corners that that you really like then the staff loves Deshaun Rucker 
I mean, just they think he can be so dynamite in the as a star or even a safety. Um, you know, they like Christian Charles. That's one that DA and Jeremy Pruitt, you know, really kind of kept under the radar. And honestly, Tennessee's probably lucky that you know COVID happened and they you know he didn't get to go camp and go you know have a lot of bunch of schools see him. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I like this DB class. Um, a good bit just because they are long. You know, I, I think Alante is a guy that, you know, you look at and you go, that's what Jeremy Pruitt and them want, but he just can't be consistent enough. All right, let's go to uh, Jacob 16. Rob, when's the last time a Tennessee football team had championship caliber depth? Seems to me you build up three ways, recruiting, development, player retention. In your opinion, which one have we struggled with the most over the past decade? Um, you know how our attention numbers compare to the rest of the SEC. I don't know right off the top of my head. How many position groups do you think currently have the type of depth you need to win in the SEC? Uh, right, so, before so, the season, I thought defensive line would be in that group. Now, I don't know that you can necessarily – maybe not played that way. I think offensive line, you, you've got that kind of depth and, and nowhere else. And I would say that – you know, it's been a, the, the problem, biggest problems have been different for different staffs. I think Butch's biggest problem is player development, without question. I mean, the strength and conditioning program was an absolute train wreck. I think Derek's biggest problem was recruiting when you talk about depth. And I think Jeremy's done a, a nice job with both. I think he was left, you know, with, with such a dumpster fire by Butch that we've not, you know, we, we don't know yet. The jury is still out. Yeah, and again, because of the lack of quarterback play, that changes the trajectory of your rebuild. Because, again, in year three of Butch's deal, which everybody talks about, which was a good year other to until they, you know, debacled it down in the month of, of November with South Carolina and, and Vanderbilt, it was quarterback play that was the difference. They found a quarterback that fit their system. To they fell back efforts into a quarterback. Yes, that fit them perfectly. Yeah. For what they wanted to do. I mean, they, they fell back into a quarterback that was a difference maker for them and made them a division championship caliber football team that should have won the division, but obviously didn't get it done. All right, SEC Beast. I'm sure there were others I missed and don't remember, but over the last few weeks, I can only remember one pass over the middle, went to Velas Jones. In addition, outside of a couple of screens per game, a token jet sweep and some check, check downs to the back. Feel like our offense is made up of entirely runs between the tackles and go routes. Have we made our offense so close to one dimensional that any decent coordinator can just have their way with us? After year one, I think I recall Pruitt saying that one of the lessons learned was that he was too involved in the offense to steal a line of the year from the claw fence. Our struggles on the offense a result of Pruitt's meddling. You feel like this offense is one dimensional, easy to defend? Yes. But, but, I, but I think it goes back to what you've said four or five times since the podcast started, quarterback play. Yeah, they just don't have enough trust in the kid. And, and if you don't have trust in him by now, you're never going to have trust in him. But they also feel like he's the guy that gives them the best chance to win. So they call a very vanilla game with very few wrinkles, um, run a lot of digs. You know, they do take – they, they took a few shots down the field Saturday. But on the whole, I don't think they've taken that many shots down the field uh, this year. And, I mean, I know Jeremy said that Alabama was susceptible to long, you know, long runs on third and five plus, you know, you know, on the year. But, you know, hey. You hit him twice. You think Jeremy meddles too much in his offense? I 
I don't, I mean, I don't think he does near as much as he did with Tyson Hilton. Yeah, I, I mean, if you if you go back and look at that the, doesn't um, mean he doesn't have an opinion, Rob. No, I, but if you go back and look at the Kentucky game, I don't think he battles. You know, I don't clearly been some of the, the way the first half of that game, and I think he medals. And this is I'm hypothetical on my part because I'm not in the locker room. I think he medals in the sense that they ran the ball ten times at South Carolina in the first half, and then they come out and ran it seven out of the first nine plays. In the second half. I mean, I think. But, that, but that's to me. That's any head coach though. Yeah, like, I, any head I, coach I, is going to go. Can we run the ball? <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't call that meddling. I mean, I don't think he's in Jim Cheney's ear, you know, on what to do on third and six. All right, let's get to a couple of hoops questions here as time gets away from us. Rob, what do you expect from the SEC as a league this year? Um, I could see the league sending six or seven teams to the dance. Uh, should we expect a handful of losses in SEC play because it's got some depth? Yeah, totally. And, I mean, I think Tennessee could lose five, six, seven games and, and still be a really good basketball team. I mean, Kentucky is obviously Kentucky. South, uh, not, not South Carolina. LSU is good. Alabama is going to be much improved, I think. Uh, Ole Miss, I think Kermit, Kermit is a really good coach. Um, you know, okay. Bruce, I don't know about Bruce this year. I mean, I, I think that they're, they, they've got a rep for, for what they've done lately. He lost a lot, but, I mean, obviously the guy can coach. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a good league. I, I mean, I, I like Tennessee to win it personally. You just had them losing seven games. No, I said they could they could lose five, six, seven games. I mean, like, I you're all over the map. You got them winning it, seven games? I, I mean, don't expect them no. to lose seven games. I'm just saying they, they could. And I'll tell you what. I'll give you a chance. To, I'll give, you've already lost the, 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 the bet on, 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 on my boy, uh, Anasiki. You don't know that. Oh, he's coming back. Even you've admitted to me he's coming back. So, so you, I'm going to give you a chance to win it back. We'll go double or nothing, double or nothing, two rounds of golf, but the balls, I, I got the balls in six losses or less in oh, league yeah. play. That's, that's a no brainer. I, I totally think that. No brainer. You accepted. Good. Done. Well, Two I rounds think, of golf. I think they totally have less than six losses. I'm just saying that, you know, they could have six and it wouldn't mean that, that they were a really good team. All right. Let's, let's roll on here to Volkins' question. With practice underway, Rob, who are we looking like for the second and third bigs off the bench? And assuming Vascovi and Keon Johnson start, does Coach Barnes go as deep as six in the perimeter rotation with with significant minutes? With six, I I think I don't think more than five at all on the perimeter. All right, all. Who's I mean, whoever whoever doesn't start between Vascovi and Josiah is 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 going to play a lot. After that, it's going to be scraps, and I guess that means Devonte is the, is the dude, and I I think he's going to have a really hard time getting minutes. First guy, first big off the bench is Anasiki. Second big, probably uh, in Kamwa. And I think Yurosh is going to have a very hard time finding minutes unless they just need size or get in foul trouble. All right, Austin, for you, are you still thinking Thanksgiving for Nylon Green or before Thanksgiving for Nylon Green on a decision? How high of a priority on a scale of one to 10 do you think it is getting a grad transfer quarterback this offseason for Pruitt? Uh, I'll say yes before Thanksgiving and I mean, I think that getting a, a transfer quarterback will be important, um, potentially. Maybe. But, hey, people, would they take a Kellen Christ, or would it have to be a guy? They would. I think they would take a guy. They're not going to take Keller Christ. That that was a Tyson Helton special. He wanted to look into Chris Soul and see what happens. <laughs> All right. 
Vol, Vol Farm D, we're going to run through a couple more quickly here. Does Salter have a legitimate chance to start game one next season? What's the timeline for Ty Simpson to the Vols lead? And is a four and six campaign enough to get him in the boat? Uh, I'm going to go with yes, he has a chance to start game one next year because at this point in time, nobody else is playing quarterback besides number two. I don't count a few garbage reps. Um, and so, like, how, how much more experience would Harrison Bailey have outside of, you know, a few Sunday night scrimmages unless he plays a lot in the month of November and early December compared to, to, to Caden Salter because Salter should be here at midterm. As far, for, as far as Ty Simpson, I think Tennessee, and I've maintained this the entire time, is positioned as extremely well. They're positioned as well as they can be positioned. And, uh, you know, it's, to me, Tennessee and Clemson, Alabama, he talks to Nick Saban quite a bit. Um, Alabama's there, but I still think it's Tennessee and Clemson top two. And if you're asking me to ask, you know, who, who do I think has the inside track, I would lean Tennessee at this point. Um, you know, but Tennessee's got to win some games starting next week at Arkansas. They go out and lay an egg, chances on Ty Simpson dwindle. AP, how good of a name for a band would Sunday Night Scrimmage be? I think that'd be phenomenal. That'd That'd be be pretty good. That'd be a great band. All right, uh, Ten Ken, nineteen eighty-five. Thoughts on Bo Davis potentially as a defensive line coach? Does a bigger back change this offense? And would you expect Hodge or or D Beckwith to see uh, a bigger role after, or see a role after the bye? Well, Bo Davis is the guy Jeremy wanted to hire last offseason. Could not come to the league. Um, we'll see if that changes going into the 2022 year, or sorry, 2021 year. Um, uh, as far as bigger back, I think it would change some stuff. It, if it was anybody, it would be D back with. Um, but, it, you know, at this point, you know, I don't think either one of them are ready to play. But if they're going to run the ball between the tackles, Rob, not just for this year, but moving forward, they need a bigger back in this offense. Why a guy like Cody Brown could be really important for this I team. I think Cody Brown is the most important kid in this class right now. Or Tyon Evans. Yes, or Tyon yeah. Evans if he wants to jump back in. But they've got to have a bigger back. I, and and that's I don't, I'm not trying to pick on Eric Gray or Ty Chandler, but I, I think that if they're going to run the football in the style with the play-action pass game they want to do, I think they've got to have somebody who can break some tackles and, and could be a hammer up in there on, on first and second down. All right, last question. Then we got to, then we're, then we're gone. I've seen lots of talk on the GQ about Harrison Bailey not living up to his five star billing thus far. I know COVID 19 slowed down the development of many players, but where's this narrative about failing to live up to expectations coming from in regards to Harrison Bailey? Why are so many people so quick to write him off? I'm going to take this one for everybody. He has five stars beside his name. The assumption from everybody when you have that, that number of stars behind you is that you're Trevor Lawrence or you're an immediate impact, come in, play right away guy, okay? The fact that he can't, has not gotten on the field yet and Tennessee's quarterback play has been so bad at times and this Tennessee fan base is so over Jerry Garantano, if he can't get on the field right now, then that's where the lack of patience comes from and why people are quick to move on to the next one because the five-star can't beat, a guy, beat out a guy in, in Garantano who's not playing very well. That's the bottom line with that. Harrison Bailey's not a bad player. Harrison Bailey may end up being the starting quarterback for multiple years at Tennessee. We don't know. But he didn't have spring practice, limited fall camp, and clearly this coaching staff doesn't think he's ready to play. We'll see he's if they not, feel like he is down not the a That's ridiculous. And just, I just, the, the narrative is not coming from us. Yeah. At all. 
And, and let me also point out that when you don't start in year one and you've got another talented quarterback coming in in year two and potentially, you know, another name, you know, coming in in year two, you know, if they decide to go in the transfer market or whatever, then it just becomes more difficult for him. I mean, he may win the job next year. He may be the guy, but it's not a given. Like I think some people just assumed it was going to be. Yep. I agree with that as well. So we'll see how that shakes out come spring. That'll be an interesting quarterback competition for this team in the spring. Uh, and in large part, based on how quarterback play goes the last five games of the season. And we'll talk obviously plenty more about that uh, down the stretch of this football season, but it's an off weekend for Tennessee and uh, players are heading home and then they'll come back and get ready for the Arkansas Razorbacks. We got full coverage of recruiting coming up the next few days, some hoop stuff, the war room, plenty of other stuff coming up uh, leading up through the weekend and get you back into game week routine next week. That's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com mailbag podcast. Don't forget our friends at Blue Water Climate Control. If there's anything you need from a repair standpoint, give them a call at 865-299-2290. You can book an appointment online at BlueWaterClimateControl.com and they will take care of you. So give Jeremy and his staff a call. And that's going to do it for this edition. For Austin and Rob, I'm Brent Hubbs. Have a great uh, Thursday, everybody.